0: Welcome to a fresh edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast coming to you at the United Center Wednesday night following a very disappointing 6 nothing home preseason loss to the Washington Capitals before the Blackhawks board a plane, a very big plane, to go on a very big trip overseas to wrap up the exhibition slate and then open the regular season. It's Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio and the Chelsea blogger, NHL.com correspondent. Scott King, as usual, your dynamic duo. Well, that's subject to to, uh, debate. But what's not subject to debate, Scott, unfortunately, was the way this uh, preseason game went against the Washington Capitals. And when you look at all three home games, there wasn't a whole lot of offense from the Blackhawks. And um, particularly in this last game against Washington, It was the game we saw probably the least amount of offensive flow and maybe even more disappointing, far less urgency than what this Washington uh, team came in with, and uh, particularly in terms of net front presence, not only offensively but defensively, because the Capitals did a great job of clogging things up. Corey Crawford charged with six goals against, I would bet four or five of those you really didn't have much a chance on, but uh, I, I have trouble thinking of one player who had a good game and when you're this late in the preseason and this close to Jeremy Colliton needing to make some final calls not only on the roster but how he you know pairs lines up pairs you know defensemen up it's a little concerning and not the way you wanted to, wanted to head overseas on this note
1: Yeah, Jeremy Carlton was again asked specifically about Nylander, and he said that he had to play better away from the puck. Again, something we've we've mentioned a few times on the podcast, despite him looking very skilled offensively on that top line. And I said, you know what, the the rest of the entire team had to play better away from the puck as well tonight. And then he was kind of asked to follow up at the postgame presser, you know, did anyone have a a good game? And he he said uh, consistently through all 60 minutes, no. So he didn't think anyone really gave the the full 60-minute effort tonight. I don't know if it's effort or energy. They have a nine-hour flight tomorrow. Maybe they're they're saving a little bit for that. They know it's going to be a draining trip, but it's also going to build some team chemistry. And like you said, Crawford did not have a chance on a lot of those, and he has looked pretty good. He's looked like Corey Crawford in this preseason, so it's kind of was an indication I think, uh, allowing six goals against uh, of how the D played uh, of the team's energy overall. Yeah,
0: and um, we'll hear from Jeremy Colleton, some of those those comments in his post-game press conference in just a moment. When you look at the score sheet, only two players did not finish minus of everyone on the, on the uh, Blackhawks score sheet amongst all the skaters. Dominic Kubalik, who uh, finished with a team-high five shots on goal, and David Camp, his line mate, uh, they were both a zero, even. Everyone else was at least a minus one, ranging down to a minus three. And we mentioned Kubelik had five shots on goal. Uh, these newly constructed uh, top two lines that Jeremy wanted to check out and see, moving Kane with DeBrinket and Strom, and then having Kajula up with Nylander and Taves. That Strom-Kane-Debrinket line combined for three shots, all of them from Kane, I believe two of those were on the power play, and that uh, other line with Taves as well as Nylander and Kajula, Taves had the only two shots on that line. So your top two lines generate just five shots going up against, except for John Carlson, uh, not a very impressive capitals group that you expect to see on opening night one week from now in St. Louis as the the two Stanley Cup finals last two Stanley Cup champions match up against each other that kind of adds to the disappointment because just when it seemed Jeremy Carlton may have been finding some answers on who to pair with who things really took a step back here on Wednesday night and and you don't want to go the deeper you're going to the preseason you don't want a higher amount of questions, and unfortunately, I think that's what Jeremy Carlton's faced with here.
1: Yeah, and you look at Strome, uh, Stroman, Kane defensively too. Each a minus three, so a bad game overall for for those guys. I'm sure they would tell you that. And you know, some people were commenting that Washington had you know like a like a starting lineup, like their main guys. So had the Hawks, Hawks, yeah. they, this could this could be very close, if not the opening night roster um, bearing uh, an injury. Or two, so yeah, it's just it's just that the effort wasn't there, and you do not want to see that kind of effort or, or productivity from your top two lines because th- those were guys that have played well. Those were those are guys that you you think might be together for opening night. You you don't want to
0: put too much emphasis on a preseason game. It is preseason, and uh, different guys react uh, in, in various ways to the way they can get up for it, and uh, you hope this is the aberration, but. This team hasn't been good enough the last couple of years, as Troy pointed out in our radio postgame show, to just flip a switch. You can't do that. But at least in terms of urgency, there has to be a whole lot more. So I'm really curious to see how this team reacts going up against a team that they know absolutely nothing about in in enemy territory, so to speak. But, uh, but in Berlin against this German team, and see how much better they can be because they certainly need to build some momentum going into that regular season opener uh, a week from Friday against the Philadelphia Flyers. We said we'd hear a little bit more from the head coach, Jeremy Carlson. Here he is after the 6 nothing loss.
2: No, the, not the performance we wanted to have, uh, that's for sure. Um, going to have to sit on it for a couple days, which, uh, no fun. But, you know, we we got to try to take something from it. And I think... Uh, they're a professional team they they came in and and they brought pretty strong lineup and they do a lot of little things that that add up to winning um you know there wasn't much going on either way in the first two periods but they manufactured some things they went to the net they screen our goalie uh they get pucks through and we uh you know we didn't do those things so They they manufacture a four nothing lead. I don't think it was a four nothing game at that point, but uh, you know ultimately you got to do those things if you want to win. So you know the third, um, they they had much more of the play. We didn't generate anything at all, and it's uh, sour taste. But uh, you know we we weren't. uh, It's you're not just going to steadily improve every every day. You're going to have some steps back, even if you don't want to. And that's what tonight was.
1: Were you concerned with the energy level overall tonight, especially getting close to the regular season?
2: Well, we didn't have it. You know, that's – you could tell. Um, We couldn't sustain it. We have a shift here or there where we we got going, found a way to get a forecheck, force a turnover, you know, the power play – Took momentum from us as opposed to building with it you know on another night usually we you know we'd have a good shift draw a penalty score in the power play and then everyone's buzzing feeling good about themselves and it was the opposite tonight so um yeah I, i'm not concerned that that's um, gonna lead into the season i just think tonight guys had a tough time getting going and that's um not what we want and it's not an excuse just that's the reality of it
0: With the flight to germany tomorrow is it subconscious or otherwise maybe a couple of players might have their mind on it too much
2: yeah i, I don't know i mean it's uh, regardless today was a game where w- we could use it to prepare for the season and i think we we uh, left something on the table and we'll, we'll try to learn from that too but uh, not not how we drew it up. In a
0: game like tonight, do you can do the same things in-game to kind of spark something that you wouldn't have to play,
2: right? No, I think you do some things, but at the same time, we're not going to try not to grind anyone down uh, as far as overplaying them. We still want to get a look at everyone. Um, you know, situationally, like, for instance, on the penalty kill, yeah, we – you know, the guys who went or the guys who were going to go probably during the season, so you maybe use that opportunity. But um, at some point, just trying to play four lines and, and gain something out of it, just good habits. And, you know, we did that at times, but certainly nothing sustained.
3: It seemed like Gustafson had a, a tough night.
0: Did you want to give Adam a look there
2: in the third period? So yeah, we wanted to play him a little more. Yeah. Um, I think he had his moments where he was really good, and then he had his moments where he was, you know, struggled defensively. But that was he fit right in with the rest of the team. So um, he's uh, he's doing well. How do you think uh, Evander looked tonight away from home? Um, again, probably fit in with the rest of the group. He had his moments where he would make a good read, and then he had his moments where um, we'd like a different one thought he you know he made some plays he carried the puck but i think the whole group just had a hard time stringing shifts together that uh where we had had good habits last you this every time but was there anyone that was good in your um consistently over 60 probably not so I'll just leave it there
0: jeremy Carlton none too pleased after the six nothing loss to uh, washington capitals and uh, only a couple guys uh, i know talked in the locker room that uh uh, you stepped into after after this loss, Jonathan Taves, the captain, being one of them as he usually is. After losses like this, when not a whole lot, a lot of guys are in the mood to talk, but uh, uh, when he did speak, he wasn't he wasn't very happy with what he was a part of or saw out there uh, in this last uh, piece of home action before uh, before it all starts for real, was he?
1: No. And I was the first one to ask him the question. I just, I, the first question I just asked if, if you allow yourself to kind of feel the result of a, of a bad loss, a bad shutout like that in the preseason, cause it's not the regular season. And he, and he said, uh, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll, um, they'll, they'll, they'll feel it, but they'll also kind of, uh, brush it off. And at the same time, this is his quote now, that's gotta be a wake up call. It's good that. That happens now, so we can wake up and get going, get our speed, get our legs going, and start playing with a little more energy, a little more just wanting the puck in certain areas. So it should be a wake-up call for that. Yeah,
0: and, ho- and hopefully it is, um, because time runs out after after Sunday's game in Berlin. Also going to play a little bit of Stan Bowman, um, who met the media On Wednesday morning after the morning skate, a last chance for Chicago reporters who won't be traveling to talk to him ahead of the start of the regular season, which, of course, is in Prague. That's coming up in a few minutes. Before we go to him, though, just wanted to update a little bit of the injury situation, too, because a couple of, you know, concerns have popped up. All the Blackhawks are saying in each case it's nothing ser- that they don't believe it to be anything serious or long term. Robin Leonard leaving practice on Tuesday before it was over with a hip problem. He is traveling to Prague. They were planning on traveling three goalies anyway, so Colin Dealey will be part of that mix in the event Robin Leonard is, is not ready to go for whatever reason. Uh, Zach Smith. Uh, He practiced on Tuesday, woke up and his back was a little bit cranky. They don't expect that to be anything long-term. Connor Murphy did something, I believe, lower body both Tuesday and then tried to skate on Wednesday, cut things short. He wasn't going to play anyway, neither was Smith in this Wednesday game. And uh, I believe that's it. Calvin DeHaan, he isn't expecting to go at the start of the season either, more for a groin injury than the shoulder surgery that he had in John Quenville. Um, still recovering from a hip injury of his own. So the Blackhawks were going to be allowed to take extra players overseas, and once they play that preseason game in Berlin, they'll review who they think will be healthy. They'll have to get down to the the um, 23-man limit after that, cu- uh, cut a couple of guys off the active roster uh, at that point. But you don't like to see these nagging little things, and hopefully it's, hopefully it's short-term because the last thing you want to do is is uh, start the regular season uh, a little bit shorthanded from the guys that you're relying on. Let's uh, hear now from the Vice President and General Manager, Stan Bowman. Speaking of injuries, he talks about a number of topics here, um, starting with Kirby Dock's status, and he is going to go on that trip. Among the other things you'll hear from almost nine minutes of Stan Bowman here on Wednesday morning, um, in order what he has seen, in almost two weeks of training camp here as they get set to travel overseas. What he's thought of Adam Boquist's camp, and it was a very quiet game by Adam Boquist along with everybody else on Wednesday, Uh, the intangibles that this trip can provide, this first camp, under Jeremy Colliton, his thoughts on Alex Nylander, who again has not been as noticeable the last couple of preseason games after playing with Jonathan Taves. Despite playing with Jonathan Taves uh, over the entire course of the preseason, uh, the possibility of late trades. Stan has also asked about, also his observations on how the restricted free agent market has played out to this point, which is interesting when you dive into what he has to be concerned about with DeBrinken and Strome. But again. Stan Bowman at first here, talking about Kirby Doc's status and uh, kind of mental state after uh, having to sit out training camp, except for individual skates prior to Wednesday morning. Kirby's going to come to Europe with
3: us. It's okay. Yes, uh, unlikely he'll be ready to play in the games, but this the next step is for him to get into practice, and um, he's he's close. So uh, I think at, at this point it makes sense to bring him with us, and then. Uh, we'll have a better feel for when he's ready for a game, but uh, not likely to play in either game. But um, it's a good step. I mean, he's making progress. He's just been off the ice for a couple of weeks, so it's going to take some time to be ready to play a game.
0: So you do, you do want to get him into an NHL game here uh, when he, whenever he is ready? Or?
3: Well, we're not at that point yet. Let's get him ready to when he could play, and then we'll make that decision. But we're, it's going in the right direction.
2: How are his spirits during this process? Because it's probably tough for him
3: yeah well I think I'll let him talk about that but I, I talked to him a couple times uh, even earlier today and I think it's better when you're close to practicing I mean as a player when you're injured it's it's frustrating you want to play and um, skating by yourself is better than not skating but you want to be with the team so we're we're getting closer I think he's um, happy that he's you know close to being back with the group and, and on the ice
1: are you encouraged with what you're seeing the product come on the ice all the guys getting together and how it's translating and going into the season?
3: You know, we've seen some good things. I think um, it's a process, but I like the way the process has played out. I think our players are... Um, they've had enough time to get acclimated to what we want to do as a group. Um, they've shown great you know, effort in trying to play the right way. doesn't always come out right in the games, but uh, I think there's a purpose to their game and practice, and competitiveness has been there. It's been a pretty... Tough camp. I think you know they've gone very hard. Um, they've given great effort, so uh, I like that. We're starting to see some chemistry on the ice with some groups. Um, not everybody's there yet, but um, I think you know we got two more games before our season opens, so two more chances for guys to become familiar. And we'll have some practices as well, so uh, I think it's trending in the right direction. How, how would you say Bolqvist evolved in that Uh Adam has shown. Progress. just looking back to where he was a year ago and to where he is now. Um, I think for him, the question has never been the talent level or the offensive ability. When he's got the puck, he can do some pretty special things. He's got a unique skill set to be able to complement the offensive players uh, and do things with the puck. So the question was just, you know, how is he going to be when he doesn't have it? I think he's really made some strides. You know, Last year, I think, was a big year for him to play on one team the whole year and you know by the end of the year in london he was well, top go-to guy they used him in a lot of situations and um seeing him here you can see that in his game uh, you know I, I like the way he's played i think he's had a good camp and that's the reason he's still here it's he's deserving to be here so um you know well, where it goes and you know, we need him to play, so if he's going to be playing in Chicago, that's great. But if not, then I think you know Rockford's a good spot for him. So, um, but his progression's been noticeable, and uh, I think it, it's he hasn't arrived yet, and it, it's going to be a process to get him comfortable defending and playing without the puck. He's such a good skater, though, that you know he can influence the play. And um, you know the biggest thing for a defenseman is if you have a good gap, you can force the other team to do things quick. when you back in a lot, then you give them uh, a chance to make plays. So uh, his quickness is noticeable, and he he can use his feet to defend.
2: Stan, what do you think this trip can do
3: for a team, a young head coach, and some new faces that are getting acclimated? We saw this back uh, 10 years ago when we went to Europe that we spent some time as a group, and I think at the time wasn't really focused on it, but we saw down the road how our team really was a a close-knit group because we spent a lot of time together usually at the end of training camp you have a couple games and uh, you don't spend as much time on your off days as a group but that's the benefit I think of going to Europe is starting tomorrow we're going to be together for you know eight or nine days straight all their times away from the rink are going to be as a group Uh, so we're looking forward to that bringing this group together and um it should be a lot of fun
2: how much have you seen jeremy's for lack of better term comfort level this year just starting from the start with his team with his systems everything Uh,
3: yeah i think uh, coaching staff as well i think we've uh, we've got some new faces there that have helped and uh i've seen uh, I've seen a comfort level that I, don't, I wouldn't say it wasn't there last year. It, it's just there's more time now. That's the biggest thing. Spent they spent the coaches spent a lot of time this summer preparing how this camp was going to roll out, how they wanted to play as a team, how we could make that happen, and uh, watching them, you know, watching it take place in practice and before practice and uh, the teaching that's gone on. It, it's been fun to see. I think there's a there's an excitement, there's a freshness to the group. Uh, I think having some new coaches as well is good for the guys. Um, you know, they can add something to the mix. And, you know, one-on-one work with a player or working with uh, a line, uh, you know, it, it's been good. And I think it, it's been energizing for everybody.
0: No, no games have been played obviously, but Superdow. You seems to be doing what you guys wanted him to do. He can't. What have you thought about where he is and, and, and what he needed to do when he arrived?
3: Yeah, I think Alex has had, had a good camp. I think you know his talent level is so high, so it's n- there's no question what he can do. He's, he's a powerful kid. He's strong, big, uh, you know, almost 200 pounds, but he's got skill and he's got speed. So that's a that's a very impressive um, collection of talents. But you got to be able to do something in the game with it. I think the he's had a purpose to his game, which is what I've noticed so far. And I think you know with young players, they've got to become That's got to become the the standard every night. I think we've seen him do it. Now we need him to sustain it. You know, as far as the the details, like when he has the puck, he he he's got a lot of natural talent, which he can do things that you don't have to coach. Just let him play on instinct. It's you know, when they don't have the puck, how do they do with forechecking, backchecking, making sure we get the puck back, being in the right position? Uh, And I think he's shown he's been a pretty quick study in that. Uh, But like a lot of young players that it's that's a process to become an automatic and i think uh you know we're gonna have to stay with him and and work with him to do that but um you can see the ability there and you know you want him to have the puck when he's on the ice because he does a lot of really good things with it things that other players aren't able to do so the the thing is just earning the coach's trust so that that he can be utilized and to so far he's been able to do that but um, you know, it's a long process. It's, it's got to become a habit for him, and I think he's certainly trending the right way.
1: Any chance we'll see you explore any trade venues as do you make final cuts, and other teams make final cuts, or pretty content with this group?
3: Uh, b- well, potentially, if they come along. Uh, our focus isn't trying to acquire players, yeah. but you know, sometimes at this time of the year, other teams are looking around for areas that have been. You know, weaknesses in their team. So um, nothing's imminent, but it doesn't mean something can't happen quick.
0: you surprised about seeing more bridge deals around the league that are, that are getting done
2: this year or some pass
3: Uh, No, I, I, I'm i not surprised by that. Um, it's sort of a function of where the, the team is at. I mean, some teams, it makes more sense given their... The backdrop of the players they have signed and the cap space they have, other teams, you know, have more flexibility. So I think when that happens, you you see the the longer term deal at a higher number. So I mean, the bridge deals that have signed the last week or so, they've all fit into their team salary structure and help them go forward. Uh, so I think that's why it's happening now. And um, there's a lot of factors at good and it it's hard to to really make a parallel between one team and another because their circumstances are a little bit different so uh but watching what's happened i I can't say i'm
0: surprised it's gone that way i found it very interesting that even though alex nylander was having a a pretty good training camp in preseason, while as we mentioned being paired with jonathan taves or, or skating with him things have quieted down and Stan obviously wants Alex Nylander to be good <laughs> after that trade with Buffalo for Henry Yokihiro. They're they're counting on him finding finding his game that he's capable of right here. But he was still very reserved when he talked about. Yes, we shouldn't get too excited yet. We want to see if you know what he has been doing continues and continues to grow. Anything else out of what Stan said that particularly stu- uh, stood out to you?
1: Well, yeah, with, with Nylander, he said he's been a quick study on D but he's also got to kind of go through the motions of earning the coach's trust to be utilized is what he said. So, uh, you know, kind of um, echoing what Colleton has been telling us. And uh, with Boquist, it's always interesting to hear what Bowman says about him. He thinks he's improved on D, but kind of like we know, he's either going to be playing here in Rockford because Bowman really wants him playing. Uh, He noted that the trip to Europe, just like in 2010, would be great for team bonding, team chemistry. I think that's something that's kind of invaluable when you got some moving parts, some new guys, and uh, also on Kirby Doc. And this is something we're, we're going to get to more later. I think a listener asked about it, but asking if uh, I think it was Tracy asked him if Doc will get an NHL game when he's ready, and uh, we'll touch on it more. But I think he's will. I think he will whenever he, he's uh, ready. Yeah, that's what,
0: that's what Stan said. That they, I think they want to see him in game action. Unfortunately. They won't have that opportunity in games that don't count, uh, but but they want to see how he how he can perform. So I think that minimum nine game right. you know, window. Uh, I, I think we can expect at least at least some of that to be utilized. Troy and I were talking about. Well, well tell you what, we'll, we'll get into that as, as part I'll just of. Just
1: add that Stan didn't really give an answer to it. it, but I'm I'm just saying my own opinion that I, I think he uh, I think he will.
0: Yeah, and before we get to our questions from our listeners, and we've started this this uh, new thing last week, and we got it out a little bit earlier today. We we did get some questions out. We'll go over the details in a second. Some of the other things that he discussed there, late trades, kind of downplaying the likelihood of that. They want to see what this group that they have brought together over the course of the offseason can do. But one late trade that was made that affects the Hawks within the division is St. Louis getting even stronger on their blue line by acquiring Justin Falk. Now the contract seven years times six point five that's a that's a that's a pretty rich piece of the pie right there, uh, especially for a guy his age and a- as you go further into the contract, uh, no question what he can produce. and that right side for St. Louis is going to have Petrangelo, Pareco, and now Justin Falk. so. That's interesting, and you only give up Carl Gunnarsson in, in return. You can make trades with Carolina, with Tom Dunn in
1: there. You can. Look, he, he's a guy that I think he was on the Hawks' radar, Falk, right? Or at Maybe least. so. Calm. Yeah, that's it, it, a guy. But we were speculating that. Maybe it was wishful. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed right. Uh, but, look, 27, uh, he's, a, he's a guy that would improve any any D. But, and I threw some plus-minus stats out there earlier, plus-minus don't seem to mean much anymore to anybody. 45 You're talking $45 million, uh, 6.5 average over seven years. The guy's minus 100 on his career. Yeah,
0: the, the defensive metrics. And, and I think if there, if there was any interest by the Blackhawks, I think that scared them away. Yeah. Um, and, and this was before Eric Gustafson blew up last year, too. They didn't know what they were going to get from Eric Gustafson, 17 goals and 60 points. So uh, that kind of reduced uh, the desire or necessity to go look for an offensive defenseman after what – Eric Gustafson gave you, at least one to bridge between last year and whenever Adam Boquist was ready. The other thing, his observations on the RFA market, of course, is to keep an eye on how this has all played out with DeBrinckit and Strom coming up as restricted free agents after this season. And it it has been interesting, as you heard, I think Pat Boyle asked the question about, there have been more bridge contracts, that they're giving some of these players rather than the long term, except for Mitch Marner getting six years at ten point nine million per Braden Point is three years, and I think it's a bargain for Tampa Bay to get him at six point two five. This is a forty goal scorer last season. So three years, eighteen point seven five for Braden Point. Three years seventeen point seven million for Brock Besser. That averages out to about five point nine. Matthew Kachuk earlier on Wednesday. Seven million a year over three years. Three years, twenty-one million. And I think our our friend Jimmy Greenfield from the Tribune compared numbers over two years. Total numbers over two years from Matthew Kachuk compared to um, the fact that Alex Debrink. I correct that Kachuk three years versus Debrinket's two years, and Debrinket is very. Favorable statistically, so if Kachuk is getting seven million dollars a year, it makes you wonder what uh, Alex Derinkke could potentially get with another strong season here. So the Rantanen's, the line A 's and the Connors are still out there and uh, But again, four of those five guys that have were restricted and came to terms had three years' deals. Mitch Marner had a six year deal and as we 're taping this podcast we, we do have some news on on roster moves, and apparently Adam Boquist will not be going to uh, um, overseas with the uh, the Blackhawks because after this game on Wednesday night, Alexi Sorella, who was uh, acquired along with Calvin DeHaan in that uh, deal with Carolina for Anton Forsberg and Gustav Forsling, and defenseman Adam Boquist were sent back to Rockford. So that's very interesting, and Adam Boquist will not get that trip, and yeah, I think the last couple of preseason games, after some wild plays, kind of came back a little bit, and I think this is, this is uh, probably the right move going to do him good, uh, with the exception of potentially playing him in Berlin in that game. But to be quite honest, all those Rockford guys are going to Boston for a game on Saturday. It's basically going to be the Ice Hogs versus the Bruins there, so he'll get a chance there and continue developing his game. So that's very interesting. Thanks for thanks for pointing that out on the fly here scott as as the the emails come in okay so we we mentioned this last time we put it out on Wednesday afternoon. We want your questions we want your involvement in the podcast. We want you to be a part and share this podcast with us. So we asked you to fire some questions at us either using the hashtag slapshots uh on Twitter um, or you can add us on twitter with your uh, with your questions. And what well, we forgot to really plug, which actually ended up going over into our Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page with some questions in there as well. But let's get to some of these questions. Thank you for everyone who participated. We encourage more. If you want to repeat it in every podcast we do to hear your name mentioned or whatever, feel free uh, if you have questions for us. So uh, among our questions here, let's start with Heather who tweeted at us uh, our impressions of Keith and Seabrook in the preseason. And Heather, I thought uh, Duncan Keith is at an overall solid preseason. And let's let's also remember, he is the guy who is often been paired with an Eric Gustafson or an Adam Boquist, um, the guy who can be the defensive safety valve there. I think Brent Seabrook and Olimata together, obviously they have their detractors in terms of foot speed. Up until this game against Washington, statistically they were very good, but they were also not necessarily going up against um, the strongest opponents who didn't bring their their A-team, so to speak. Washington was a little different with the forward group that they brought here. And uh, I think we saw some damage uh, on this night as both of them were, were minus two. And granted, they, they weren't the only ones. So now I'll be interested to see, especially once Calvin DeHaan is ready to go, whether Mata Seabrook continues to be a thing or he looks at some other some other combinations as well while you know factoring in Connor Murphy to, to the equation too. So Scott, I don't know. In my mind, Duncan Keith was Duncan Keith. Real solid all preseason. Seabrook, a wait and see to find out whether this is a permanent marriage with Olimata.
1: Yeah, we'll see who he's with. I thought he was okay. I noticed him making some good plays. Uh, Keith, yeah, pretty solid. But I think he will thrive more if he's put in a situation where he's not having to be as much of a teacher or bailing guys out on D like you kind of alluded to. So we'll see who he's paired with as well. Um another question on Twitter uh Liam asked
0: us uh how many games do we think Adam Boqvist and games Adam Dock get at the NHL level this season so obviously Boquist isn't isn't tied into that There was another similar question that we got on the the Blackhawks crazy Facebook page about Dock
1: Yeah Mark bavan hope, hope I'm saying that right Mark uh Will Kirby Dock see some meaningful ice time for the Hawks somewhere? Yeah.
0: So um, my my thoughts on this is is in the I, I'm kind of I'm kind of going on a ledge here because you heard Stan Bowman say what he did, and n- n- no insider knowledge on this. I'm just guessing. But based on how they brought Kirby along and based on the way he was performing in the offseason, talked about this with Troy in the postgame show, Kirby Dock would provide an element that is lacking on this roster right now. He's only 18 years old, and we've got to keep that in mind. He just
1: had a concussion. you got to keep that in mind, too. But,
0: but he already has an NHL body. And when you think about wanting to balance offensive production, not only from what the top line and the second line should be, no matter what their makeup is, but also trying to get, say, in this case, what it's been the last couple of games, Saad and Kubalik on the wings between either David Kempf or Anton Vadim. Would they get more production out of Kirby Doc being in the middle right there? And I think they could, at least initially. Now, how Kirby would hold up under this experiment, but uh, I I I sense that you know they like David Camp, but if you really want some offensive production, is he really going to provide that to you? Could Kirby provide a little bit more? I think so, but then the whole equation becomes whether this could, could go through the entire grind of an NHL season. Body-wise, he can. Mentally, it's a little different because his off season was crazy, too, being drafted this year. And in terms of Adam Boquist, I think they'd like to see him get a nice long chunk of time. Now, it, this could go completely the other way, where they send Doc back to Saskatoon another year of the juniors, and Boquist eventually comes up. But I think initially, I think uh, uh, Kirby Doc is going to get a serious look when they come back home, provided he is cleared and ready to go for the seven-game homestand. They're, they're going to utilize him and see what he can do at the NHL level. I think they just feel bad they didn't get a chance to see this in the games that don't know.
1: They would like to have him go through training camp for sure. I think he plays. I think he plays when, he, when he's cleared. Because if he can play beyond his years where he's at, in terms of the league, being an 18-year-old in the league. Then you're getting a two-way center, a guy who can win face-offs, a guy who's very skilled and, and quick and strong on the puck. So you get everything from him if he can just kind of play at the NHL level with his skill set. So there's that, and then there's the rule where they can play him in nine games. You get to see what this kid can do in nine games before you burn a year of his contract. And that's huge. They're just going to say, why not? You know, mm-hmm. Begin the season, see what he can do. Yeah. Might be able to use him. Yeah, yeah.
0: and, and, and let, let's face it, the other thing about – this performance tonight, you go into this opening month of the season after you come back with from Prague with seven consecutive home games. Man, you cannot fall on your face coming out of the gate here when you have that opportunity, even though they're not happy, with with seven straight to out of the box to begin with after coming back. Uh, I think we had a, a couple of other questions uh, on the Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page.
1: Yeah, we talked about Nylander, uh, Ryan Saunders, Front of the show has asked, uh, do you guys think Neal stays on the top line? We've talked about this a little bit. I think um, I think he will at least for a while. The, Jeremy really seems to like him here. As much as they talk about his play away from the puck and that needing to improve, he's still there, and, and for the most part in preseason, he's made a lot of good plays there. Yeah, and
0: uh, started out really well, quieted down as we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, and I, I think the, the the bigger decision offensively for Jeremy here is whether after what he saw on Wednesday night with Kane and Strom and Dabrinkit, which (laughs) you look at those three, it's a ton of potential and firepower there. But in the name of balance, would you say, okay, well, let's go back to what we originally thought, Shaw with Dabrinkit and Strom, Kane back up with Nylander and Taves. I'm curious to to wonder if he goes back to that. Whatever fourth-line combination – up until Wednesday night has worked well together, be it Kajula, uh, Carpenter, and Smith were the main guys. Um, in that game against Boston, they were probably their best line overall. And then trying to figure out what to do with that third line, the Sods and Kubalik's, and who knows, maybe Jeremy comes up with a combination where he, he instead bumps Kubalik up to one of the top two lines too. But uh, I definitely think Nylander, at least out of the gate here, still gets his share of opportunities on, on uh the top couple of lines, and uh, they'll give him a chance to either prove himself one way or another, prove that he can stay and hang with them, or prove that you know uh, what we saw at the outset of the preseason hasn't been sustainable, and he needs a, a little bit more seasoning.
1: Anything else we got going uh, on the? Q-A-S? Yeah, we got one more. Last, but certainly not least, Paul Berry, who is a Hall of Fame fan of the Blackhawks. Crazy. Wait, what, what makes you a Hall of Fame fan? He, from the time we started, asked more questions than any other fans. And they were very good questions, and he, I believe he. Uh, as long as they were good ones, I believe he's a gentleman who moved to Florida and still and was still a huge Blackhawks fan. Nice. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul. Send me message that, if that's wrong. I saw one projection of Shaw on the fourth line. Paul says, "What's your take?" Last year, Boston's fourth line was a force. Are we deep enough to hope for that? Look, you know, and and when the Hawks beat Boston in 2013, when they beat the Lightning. In 2015, their their fourth line was deep, and and Shaw was a big part of that a lot of the time. So I don't, we haven't seen enough out of these guys to see if they can roll fourth lines in the preseason. I think you know they're hoping that the chemistry and the productivity, whoever they put there, can get there. But I haven't I haven't seen enough yet to suggest that in a very small sam- sample size uh, to say fairly. And also, I'll say Shaw, you know, as much as I like people like him in the bottom six, and I do too. And he could play some center there um I, I like them also in the top six. I, I like them with sod and Kane. you know, think about how much success they had in the playoffs yeah, yeah.
0: and and I think also based on what we saw Wednesday night here when, when Shaw was the guy who at least did something to try and wake the team up with with that one hit um and a, uh, and, and a scrap afterwards, and you saw a little bit more jump out of the team, I think for those purposes and what we saw lacking. Uh, in production from those top two lines, or lacking in danger from those top two lines on Wednesday night, my opinion is Shaw gets bumped back up uh, to one of those two lines because he provides an element where you know he's a guy who can go down and chase the puck and get in the dirty areas and um, provide that uh, asset to to one of those top two lines um, in order to get a little bit of puck possession and I'm I'm least concerned about the fourth line and I don't think the fourth line necessarily needs Shaw I think he'd be more important further up in the lineup because I think Smith and, and Kajula and Carpenter would be just fine uh on a fourth line if that in, indeed ends up uh, being the makeup of that fourth line so we want to thank everybody for their questions again uh we'll Preview it again uh, probably the day of the regular season opener against Philadelphia. Ask you to get involved by using the hashtag Slapshots on Twitter and adding us at at and at Scott King Media. Or you can ask, ask the questions on the Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page as well. So that's a wrap. Uh, our final get-together before what will be our next podcast, and that will come following the regular season opener in Prague a week from Friday, October 4th, once that game is wrapped up. Scott and I will convene. We will brainstorm. We will get post-game reaction as well and give our thoughts to the opening 60 minutes or 60-plus minutes of action to this regular season and hopefully uh, get it out to you by the time uh, you're driving home on on that Friday afternoon or at least to take uh, into the weekend if if we don't get around to it or you get around to it by then. So look for that following the regular season opener next Friday, October 4th, against the Philadelphia Flyers. I'd also like to thank Curtis Koch, our producer, for gluing all this stuff together as he always does and we also encourage you to subscribe on itunes if you haven't already leave a review tell your friends if you like the podcast but again if you subscribe the uh, uh, blackhawks crazy podcast will be sitting there waiting for you whenever it becomes available remember to uh, check out scott's work as the chelsea blogger on wgnradio.com as well as nhl.com and various and sundry other escapades be it forbes or whatnot and uh, you will tell us about an important interview that you're doing the day of the opener, too, uh, when we get around to that podcast, a little bit of surprise. So uh, we'll leave people in suspense for that. Again, uh, follow us along on our uh, Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Blackhawks Crazy. You can ask the slap shot and podca- podcast questions on there, too. In the meantime, after a disappointing 6 nothing loss to Washington to close out the home preseason slate, and put the Blackhawks at 2 2 and one as well as some breaking news afterwards that Sorella and Boquist go down to Rockford for Curtis Koch and Scott King. I'm Chris Bowden. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you a week from Friday.